thank you, Lord, for your precious word. Bless it us, I pray, this morning as we delve into it in a bit of depth. Thank you, Father God, that you've got a great plan for everybody here and everybody associated with the ministry. And our job is to help one another, Lord. Help one another to achieve and to fulfill the great call on our lives. Thank you that there's a great call on everybody's life. And we don't want to end up in heaven empty-handed, Lord. So this word is to help with that. And I just pray, Father God, that you will inspire by your Holy Spirit, give us understanding and supernatural unction. Come against every spirit that would try and confuse this word and stop it from going out. Thank you, Lord, that your word will perform that for which it was sent. In the wonderful name of Yeshua. Amen. Praise God. Last week I was speaking about course correction, how important it is for you and I from time to time to take a step back and just see where we're going. The scripture that I should have read last week and I need to read it now is Psalm 84. Right, Psalm 84, 47. Psalm 84, 47, just quickly. Yeah. Oh, yes, it's, it's from verse 5, apologies. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Bacar, they make it a spring, cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. As I said last week, a pilgrimage, by definition, is a journey to a holy place. And our lives are a journey towards heaven, which we all want to arrive at eventually. Now, the point is this, that how you and I walk is very important. Okay? And the point I'm trying to make is that you and I all have a function as living stones. God wants to build a temple on the earth. He is building a temple. But that temple is not just a brick edifice. It's a living edifice made of living stones. Right? And you and I are those living stones. Let's just read that scripture as well. 1 Peter 2, verse 5. 1 Peter 2, verse 5. Right, let's read from verse 4. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. Through Christ Yeshua. Right, so we are living stones. Now, the analogy is very apt because there's two sides to it. You see, there's the stones and there's the living stones. We as living stones are being built into a temple. And you see, on the one hand, we are supposed to be solid in the sense of we're not wishy-washy. We don't change from day to day and become one thing or another. Right? Double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. We're not supposed to be like that. One thing today, another thing tomorrow. However, at the same time, we need to be developing, growing. Does everybody grasp this? You see, it's a paradox. You see, on the one hand, we stones that are, are stones, but we're alive. Stones are intrinsically dead, but we are alive stones. And you see, what I need to say is that this, there's a pattern in the Word of God. Some rules, they remain. Some things are forever. They don't change. Forever. Some principles in the Word of God are forever. They never change. However, you and I, as we apply those, the situations change and how we apply them changes. You've got to get this balance. The big danger as Christians is that we either get so stuck in the rules and that's it. Monolithic edifice and it becomes so rigid 
and nothing else can fit in it and we don't move. We become sterile. The other danger is we become so floaty, so changeable, you see, that we basically get washed away. Now there's two sides to the coin. It's quite difficult to grasp, but we've got to try and work to understand it. You see, you and I are called to a certain lifestyle and we are supposed to be solid people. All right? But being solid people doesn't mean that we are the same from day in to day out, that we don't change. If something is alive, what does it do? By definition, it grows. And growth always means change. I mean, the classic example for me is always cut flowers. Cut flowers are very beautiful, but they cut. What's the problem? Eventually they die. They die. You see? And you and I are living stones. We're connected with Almighty God. So there needs to be change in our lives if we are alive. Does everybody grasp that? But it's not frivolous change in the sense of we are unstable. Amen? Holy Spirit, please help me to explain this. You see, at the same time, we're supposed to be stable, but we're supposed to be evolving. Amen? And we've got to manage that evolution, if I can use the term, right correctly, according to the principles that are laid down in the Word. It's like marriage. Marriage is a sacred institution. The rules will remain the same forever, no matter what mankind says. Amen? Man and a woman coming together in holy matrimony, covenant before God, and through that covenant producing life. That is the base of it all. However, within those parameters, there's an endless variety. Who you marry, you understand? Where you marry, how you go about the marriage. There's an endless variety to that, within that. But that's the basic plan, you see. And you and I, as Christians evolving, there are basic principles. We need to know the basic principles. But at the same time, we need to be able to change within. And let me just say, the way God's designed it, His plan is for us to be changing and yet being stable. In fact, the more we change within the right parameters, the more stable we become, the more solid we become. The analogy that comes to my mind is, if you've ever flown in one of these massive airplanes, when I was a kid, we used to fly all the way down to school, thousands of kilometers we used to fly. And I hated being in the seat next to the wing. Because you look out and you see this wing flapping, you know, I'm waiting for the thing to break off. But our engineering friends will tell us, what is the strength? The strength is in the fact that that wing can move. If it was rigid, it would snap. You understand? You and I as Christians, yes, we are stable, but within that stability, there needs to be continual evolution growth. Amen? We can't afford to stagnate. Is everybody with me so far? There's quite a lot to this, and I just need to try and explain. I might even have to take two lessons. But, you see, we've got to understand that God's got a way for you and I to evolve. If I could use the term advisedly in this context. You shouldn't be the same person that you were last year, but you should be the same person. <laughs> Does that make sense? That, oh, he's gone completely wild. He's dying his hair purple, you know, because he was told in church to evolve. Hmm? We're not talking about that. We're talking about managed 
development, if I can call it that, change within the scriptures. Amen. And I speak about this a lot in this whole course on calling. You and I are called. I hope everybody in this church grasps that. God's got a plan for us, okay? But remember, there's a difference between calling and what our career, not necessarily a difference, but they're not necessarily the same thing, all right? Calling is not what you decide to do with your life. Amen. Amen? Amen. It's not. Calling is not what society wants you to do with your life. Amen? Calling is what God wants us to do with our life. You look at a dog. The dog doesn't call itself to come and have supper. You call the dog. You get it? And we've got to pick up that calling. But what I'm trying to explain, and this is a difficult thing, is your and my calling evolves. Amen? It evolves. Our lives are continually in a state of flux if we are growing in God. Now, on the one hand, you call to something, yes, but that calling can take a process of change. Right? What you call to do does evolve. It changes. If we get stuck into one thing forever in a day, and that's the danger of our society. It likes to put people in a box. Amen? We've got to be so careful about this. For example, my aunt, clueless when it comes to God and things like that, but she heard of my exploits, you see. So when I went to see her in Cape Town before she died, I just went to see her. She's a very good aunt in many ways. She could cook over myself. But anyway, I went to see Auntie Doreen. She said, from day one, you're a very religious young boy. You were a very religious young boy. That was her perception. Now, I didn't have time to try and explain to this half-deaf, ignorant woman the ins and outs of religion, blah de blah Couldn't, didn't have time. But what I'm trying to say is she put me in a little box. And society wants to put you in a box. Wants to put you in a box with a label and that's it. And you see, that box is important for you to relate to people. But you've got to understand that box can change. And that's part of this whole process. Now, the title of this message is Unlocking the Combination of Life. Please, it's complicated, I know, but bear with me. It's so important. It could save our lives. Unlocking the Combination of Life. When I went to school, we had a locker. And that locker was supposed to be where we kept our tuck. Do you know what I mean by tuck? Food. That little tuck box. My mother packed it with condensed milk that was boiled and sweet. And, you know, but biscuits and what, what, take it to school and had the tuck room and you put your box there and every now and then you're allowed to go in once a week, you go and take a few pieces of tuck, you see, and you keep it in your locker. It's like treasure, you see. Now to keep it safe from the marauding bands of other students which would like to eat your tuck, you're given a lock. Being schoolboys, a little boy, notorious for losing keys, they gave me a combination lock. A big hunk of metal fascinated me. And it had a big dial on it. I don't know if you remember those old locks. And you turn, you had to know the three numbers. You, see, you had to remember three numbers, which when it came to tuck was easy to remember. You turned it to the one number. Then you turned it to the other. Then you turned it back to the other number and click, hey presto, open sesame, you see. And uh, your locker opened. You could get all your clothes, whatever, and tuck if it was there, but mine didn't last more than a day. So anyway, that was the theory. The point I'm trying to make is combination lock has a series of settings. Amen? 
It will only open if you get all the settings right. Does everybody get the principle, the understanding? Now you see, life is like that. You must understand that our lives are made up of certain issues, all right? And they're all biblically based. If we can understand them, you see? And at any stage of our lives, if we can align them all correctly, amen, life opens up. Amen. The problem is, if we've got, and there are seven of them that I can identify, if we've got six of them right and one missing, frustration. Frustration. I come across people's lives are frustrated. Why? Just one of those things is out of alignment. Is everybody with me so far? You grasp it. So you see, we have to know what these things are, understand them. And it's a process of understanding. First, we've got to be aware of them intellectually. Then we've got to understand them. And then we've got to grasp them spiritually. Amen? Get a revelation about them. And then we move into them. All right. Okay, so far. So now we've got to identify them. Let me just say one other thing, which makes it, in our lives, more difficult in a sense. But the point is this that each one of these areas is in a process of change. All right? And if we understand them and appreciate the change and prepare to move with them and let our lives change, then our lives will continually be unlocking and unfolding. And we go from what the Bible describes glory to glory to glory. Amen? But if now one of them, we stick on that and we get it wrong, it frustrates everything. Your grasp is so, it's so important to understand what these things are in our lives and see them from a biblical point of view. I'm just going to run through them very quickly and then we can look at them individually. All right, there's seven. And it's all relating to you and I and what we are called to do. But these are seven dimensions, let me call it that, of our life that needs to be in order if you and I want to unlock life, the combination of life. Okay? But please understand, you and I are called. That's really important. Fulfillment in this life will only come about when you and I fulfill what God has called us to do. There's a lot of talk about prosperity, health, etc. They're all important. All important. But none of them make any sense in a vacuum. You can't talk about prosperity until you've first spoken about your calling. Does that make sense? Because prosperity is relative to what you and I are called to do. But that's another story. I can't go there now. But the first area of our lives, when it comes to actually fulfilling our calling, is to number one, realize something, that a call from God is designed to meet a need. Amen? A need out there, right? Like one church, their motto was, find a need and meet it. Not a bad motto. You see, that's the heart of it all. Your and my lives were designed on this earth to meet needs of others. Amen? The great irony, the great paradox once again, is that as we meet the needs of others, our needs are fulfilled. We humans are fulfilled. 
The reverse is if you live for yourself, you die. Amen. It takes a great revelation to understand this. That doesn't mean we ignore our lives completely and just live trying to help everybody else. Please, that's one of the processes, if I can call it that. It's only one. But the heart of it is we need to meet a need. Our lives are here to meet a need. Okay? Now right there, what is the problem? How many needs are there out there? Oh my God. Are you and I called to meet every single need out there? No. Clearly not. It's impossible. Does everybody grasp this, you see? There are needs out there. This next stage in this combination is hearing from God. Number two, hearing from God. And you see, what we've got to hear from God is, what need am I supposed to meet right now? Amen? What need am I supposed to meet? Now please, once again, note, this evolves. It changes. Alright? It changes. The need I'm supposed to meet right now might not necessarily be the need I've got to meet 10 years from here. You see? For example, you're a young man, you've just got married, the first need you're supposed to meet is the need of your wife and your family. I mean, if you don't do that, you're worse than an unbeliever, the Bible says. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. You see, what is the danger? You get stuck on that. And then what is it? Hold on to the children, try and meet their need until they die. <laughs> no, no, no. The point is, that need that you and I are supposed to meet evolves. Okay? It grows. It changes. And you and I will only know what need we are supposed to meet if we know God. We hear from Him. Graham, that's what the need I want you to meet. Okay. Is everybody with me so far? I'm trying to do this as logically and as simply as possible. Alright? Please note, the need that you and I are called to meet will change. Because, let me put it this way, as we grow, we become aware of other needs. Amen? I just look at my ministry personally and let me tell you this teaching I'm giving now comes from the hard experience of my own life. Right? You won't find it in a book anywhere. I can guarantee you that. But you see, when I started off, I'll give you one example. I had a revelation about the creative church. How if we can harness the creative gifts in the church of the people, the church will take off. I wrote my book on the subject. I'll never forget. I've got it printed. Coming back from the printers there from Sutherland Ridge, I'm driving, I've got this box of books in my car, and my thinking was the church's problems are all solved. <laughs> Once I got this revelation, it'll all just happen. I'm still sitting with half the books in the garage. <laughs> Why? Well, you see, I had to learn something. Before the church could understand that need, the creative church, they had to understand faith. You see, what I was growing in is I needed that they need to be teaching on faith. So I taught faith. Then I learned that you can't just teach faith on its own. You've got to teach church. And what I'm saying is, God was calling me to teach, but the need that I had to address was getting changed, evolved. Does everybody understand? You see, it evolved. If I'd stuck with the one thing, I would have missed the boat. Okay. So please note, number one, your and my calling must meet a need. 
if it's not meeting the needs of humanity in some way, shape, or form, it's not a call from God. It's your own call. Amen? Right? Secondly, we need to hear God not only about what the need is He wants us to meet, all right, but how we are supposed to go about it. Amen? And you see, what you've got to realize, and this is number three, what I call unction, all right? Unction. Every one of us is moved differently. Amen? We move differently. It is the Holy Spirit. You see, when you and I are faced with a need, a need out there, we are given different personalities. Did you know that? Every one of us is created differently for a great purpose. Because you see, in this situation, my heart might say, well, that's the need. This is what I must do to help the need. Amen? However, somebody else looks at that need and they think, that's how I'll address the need. And it's in the scriptures. Let's go to Romans. Okay? We've done this before, but it's so important to grasp it. Romans 12, 68. Once again, please let me reiterate. The danger is we grab onto one of these things and we try to make that everything. All right? People have grasped this scripture and tried to apply it to everything. But it's only one part of the combination. All right? Having then, now notice something, gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. All right? We've all got different graces. We are made differently. Let's put it in simple terms. I'm made differently to Bronwyn. Thank God. I'm made differently to Norman and everybody here. Okay? But you see, it lists them there. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Alright? There's seven of them there. Once again, the seven pops up all the time. You see? Now, I'm just going to explain them this way, the best way I can explain it. The illustration is you're driving past LNJ. LNJ is a running saw in our community. A whole lot of people are gathered there. Now, I drive past on the road and I see LNJ. And I see there's a problem, there's a need. Now, you see, these seven giftings, if they're in me, I will address the need in a different way. You see? Prophecy essentially is changing things, moving and shaking. Prophecy looks at the status quo and changes it, right? Very aggressively, in a sense, powerfully. Now, here you are driving past, and there's a prophetic unction in you, and you think, I've got to do something about this. And your way of dealing with it is to go to government and start complaining and moving and shaking and trying to do something to get this place sorted out. Do you understand? That's how you are wired. Now, is that wrong? No, it's not wrong. It's necessary, but it cannot stand on its own. Okay, let's look at the next one. Or ministry. Ministry is hands-on stuff. You look at the situation and think, oh my soul, it needs practical help. These people need to have plumbing put down there. They need to have light. That's the way you see things, Mr. Fix-It. You see, there's a practical need here. That's how you are wired. Okay, is that wrong? No. But does it stand on its own? 
No, it can't stand on its own. You just fix the plumbing, everyone will say, oh good, now I've got free utilities. Right? He teaches in teaching. Somebody with that particular gifting to house pass and think, you know what? Those people need to be educated. They need to be instructed. You see, the thinking is, oh, well, if they're not instructed, they'll stay where they are. Is that right or is that wrong? It's right. It's true. They need to be instructed. But what's the point of them being instructed if the plumbing isn't working? Well, there's no food. You get it? All I'm trying to say is that you and I are wired differently. We look at a problem and we want to solve it with a different approach. Okay? That's how we made. Alright? The next one you get is exhortation. The man sees us, he wants to go and preach. Every Sunday afternoon he wants to put up a box there, stand on the box and preach. These people need the word. They need to be exhorted. Told that there's a better future, etc, etc. You get it? That's what they want to do. They want to exhort these people. Is that a bad thing? No, it's a good thing, but it won't stand on its own if there's no other giftings operating. All right. And then he who gives with liberality. The person who has that gifting is a person who wants to just throw money at things. They need money there. Is that true or is it false? It's true. They need money. It's not going to change without a great infusion of capital. Amen? But just infusing capital, is that going to resolve the problem? Just that on its own? No, it won't. It won't. In fact, it'll make things probably a lot worse, ultimately. All right? And then there's leads with diligence. person looks at they need proper leadership there. Go in there, try and get together the leaders, trying to organize leadership structures to work a way out. Okay? Structure. Leaders want to lead. They want to get people motivated. Is that a bad thing? No, it's very good. Need leadership. But leadership on its own, is it going to work? No. And then there comes the mercy gifting. The mercy gifting drives past there. They see the poverty. What do they want to do? Stop the car, get out there, take a lot of bread, hug everybody, and just give them love. Is that a bad thing? No, it's not, you see. It's necessary. And some of us are motivated by all of these. And I haven't got time to go into detail. You see, it's not the place of somebody who's given to leadership to condemn or criticize the people who want to just give love. And it's not right for people who just want to love, say, oh, you people are so harsh, you want to organize everything. It all works in God's plan together, you see. That's how the, any situation will improve if all of those giftings are operating. Can you see that? That's how we meet needs. But you can't do all of that. You and I are not called to do all of that. You see? We have a need on our hands and we are motivated by a particular unction. In my case, it's predominantly to teach. All right? I see the difficulty and I realize what is needed in that situation is understanding. The understanding helps people step forward. Can you see? That's my way of approaching it. But it's not everybody's. I mean, and it doesn't stand on its own. You can teach till you're blue in the face. Somebody needs to come and exhort. Somebody needs to come and give a fat slap. Prophecy needs to come. That's all necessary for this thing to grow. But now, what I want to throw into the mix, and sorry if it's getting too complicated, but you and I mustn't get put in a box which says, oh, you mercy. That's all you're good for. No. 
it evolves. Amen? It evolves. And people that may be operated greatly in mercy ministry find themselves in a situation where leadership is necessary. Amen? And what happens? That leadership unction rises to the front. So, once again, it's important to grasp that you and I have got these things in us and at any particular time, meeting a need, we'll be probably focusing more on one or two. Amen? Can you see that? But that doesn't mean forever in a day, that's you and you're finished. This whole process is a process of evolution. Growth. Growth. We need to grow. If you are a person that's really you know, good at organizing things, we need to grow into mercy. Amen? If we're a person that's just good, or so we think, are just hands-on Mr. Fix-It, realize you can develop into a teacher. Amen? Don't allow the church or the society to put you in a box. Oh, you just this. Smith Wigglesworth was a plumber. Did you know that? His wife did all the preaching. She did all the preaching. He was a bit of a reprobate to start with, but she managed to collar him, and he came into the fold. Okay? And eventually he took over. Amen? If he had stayed where he was and said, I'm just a plumber. Let me help the poor by helping with their plumbing. Would have deprived the world of one of the greatest miracle operating fathers of faith that we've ever had. Amen? If he'd got stuck in a box. Don't you get stuck in a box. Oh, I'm just hands on. Well, you could be hands on, but you could also teach. Amen? We must allow the Holy Spirit to grow us. I hope this is coming across. This is really important. Don't allow society to put you in a box and say, oh, well, you're just a teacher, Graham. Sit down, shut up, teach when you have to. Learn to be a proper leader. Amen? Something you can learn. Learn how to organize things. Learn to be a giver. Etc. Okay, I hope you're still with me. I know this is going on and on. The next thing is office. All right, office. And this is a whole subject on its own. It's four. Okay, let me go through them. Number one is meeting a need. Two is hearing God. Three is unction. Okay, we've talked about that. Four is the office. In the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 4, God has given certain offices. Apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. Okay? Now, this is where it gets a lot deeper than I can go. But you see, for you and I to fulfill our calling, we have to be in alignment with the body of Christ, God's great organization on the earth. Amen? And his organization is designed with those five offices. We mustn't confuse the unction with the office. Because you are prophetic in nature doesn't mean you're a prophet in office. Okay. Let me just go through them quickly. Apostolic is simply sent. You start something new and you take responsibility. Apostolic ministry takes responsibility. Apostolic brings stability. Paul the Apostle started churches, but he took responsibility for them. Prophetic ministry changes things. Normally comes from the outside and changes things. Very, not forcefully, but in a way that makes things uncomfortable for people. 
Amen. Many people, let me tell you, their lives are drifting from one thing to the next because, and they're not going anywhere, because they are not relating to some apostolic ministry. We all need apostolic ministry. But we also need all five of the ministries. Once again, it's such a deep teaching, but what I'm trying to focus on today is every one of us is called into one of those. Amen? There's a whole understanding that as children of God, we are sheep to start off with, but there's a process of moving from sheep to shepherd. We need to be in that process of moving from sheep to shepherd. We can't just be plum sheep all of our lives. That's not how the body of Christ is designed. It's designed for you and I to grow into particular function, right? Particular office. And like I said, apostolic, stable. Prophet shakes the boat. Teachers educate. Pastoral looks after, cares. Evangelist goes out and brings in. Apostolic, prophetic, teacher. Okay, teacher. Education is important. If you and I are not continually being informed, we are stagnant. Amen? I've got to continually study the word to get new information, to hear from God. But then there's the pastor who puts his arms around and just takes care of, nurtures. Nurtures. It's all very well teaching people, but you've got to show them how to do it and walk with them when they're battling. Amen? Not just a case of throwing out the word and everybody's fine. That doesn't work. We've learned that. But you have to throw out the word. Amen? You can't just try and help people if you're not helping them feed him. Sorry, I know this is complicated, but just bear with me. We're almost there. And then there's the evangelist. The evangelist goes out and brings people in. And all of us are called to one of those five. But let me just say this. Even though you might feel called to one particular issue now, doesn't mean that you stay there. Amen? Paul the Apostle started out by evangelizing. Then he started teaching because he had to teach and then he became apostolic in the sense of looking after. He moved. He evolved. Okay, we all called into that firefold, but it's a process of evolution. Apostolic ministry has got to teach at the same time. And because I call myself or am in an office of apostolic ministry, doesn't mean I can't get people saved. You understand? Got to get people saved all the time. It's just talking about a particular office in the body of Christ. Okay, but anyway, that would take a lot of time to really explain. The next thing is giftings, right? Five giftings. And this is where we get it wrong as well. God gives certain giftings for a certain purpose. But we mustn't decide our purpose because of our gifting. All right? Let me explain it this way. Because a person can sing, what is the normal conclusion? Oh, well, he must lead praise and worship. You see? It's not necessarily the case. Not necessarily the case. And let me just say, your and my giftings are in a constant state of change. You can learn new giftings, can you not? We can learn new skills. Amen? We can learn them. The danger is we say, oh, well, I've got this gifting, that's me. Put me in a box, I've got a music gift. How that gift is supposed to operate depends on all these other combinations being set right. Okay? I'll try and explain it this way. So often the problem has been in the body of Christ, somebody is used mightily or has got a great gift in the secular world with their gifting of music, they get saved and think, right, we'll put you in to lead the praise and worship. <laughs> 
And after a year, they bombed out completely, misunderstanding completely. Let me tell you, you can lead praise and worship even if you can't really sing properly. I'm a classic example. People have got different giftings in certain ways, able to cook, able to sew, able to reach people, able to run miles, physically strong. There's so many different giftings, okay? But what we're trying to say is you and I at any particular time need to realize what our giftings are and be using them in the right way. And those giftings change. Once again, a whole lesson on its own. Now, number six, which puts everything into context, is timing. That's another big combination. There's a whole process of timing. Because you're born again yesterday doesn't mean you're supposed to be a prophet tomorrow. Amen? Can you see that? Because I'm in a certain position now, and I feel God calling me to something else, doesn't mean I just stop what I'm doing now and jump into it. Amen? Another big issue in this combination business is the timing. Timing. When do I move? How do I move? You see? I'm called to be a teacher. Yes. But I've got to move into something else. When is the time that I move into something else? If I try and do it now, I can cause a lot of trouble. Like I mentioned last time, the man running a business, he gives up his business and goes and becomes a missionary. Only to come back three years later totally devastated. Why? The wrong timing. The wrong way of going about it. The combination wasn't adjusted at the right time. Amen? And the last one, I just want to mention it, is vocation. Vocation. Let me explain what vocation is. Is your title. Vocation is important in the sense of it gives a handle for people to relate to you with. Vocation. I'm a doctor. Doctor so-and-so. Now you see, that vocation, in a sense, is on the outside. It's got to relate to everything else. Let me explain it like this. Because you and I are called a teacher, does that mean that in the whole scheme of things that's our calling? It might be. But let me explain. Somebody's going into a Muslim country to evangelize. If they go in there and they say, I'm a Christian evangelist, <laughs> what's going to happen? Right there you could get your throat slit. Right? So what do many people do? I'm a teacher. Can you see that? Their vocation is what? Teach. Now, it could be their calling. Please, they too could go inside. But all I'm trying to say is, in our world system, what are we so interested in? What you called? Your vocation. Oh, I'm a doctor. I'm, I'm a lawyer. I'm a this. I'm a that. Can you see? And they try and form their purpose out of their vocation. Now, it does work. Willem's dad, for example. I don't think there's any doubt that he's called to be a very good doctor. All right, so it's simple for him, in a sense. Not that it's easy, but he's a doctor. That's his vocation. And in being a doctor, he helps so many people. He meets a very important need. You get it? But you see, you might be a doctor, but you go into a country as a doctor, but you're actually apostolic. You want to set up churches. Amen? To help people on the outside, they call me a pastor. Now, I do fulfill that function. But is that my calling? Do you understand? There's a distinction. And what I need to say is that your and my title changes. It can change over time. Alright? We mustn't get caught into a little box. Oh, forever and a day you pastor now. Oh, forever and a day you are now director. 
you're an engineer. You see, these things change. What I'm trying to get across to us, you and I to have life, we need to unlock the combination and realize that all of these, as we grow, they've got to be adjusted, right? It's a lifetime process of continually adjusting. If we get stuck on one thing, the rest changes, but that combination will not open. We'll be frustrated in life. And that's not God's plan. I mean, it's not God's plan for you not to be frustrated. So I'm encouraging us all. Please listen to this the recording again. It takes a long time to grasp these things. I know it's such a lot in such a short time, but the whole emphasis here is this. You and I need to be living stones. I mean, evolving stones. Don't put yourself in a box. Don't let society put you in a box. But don't just change for the sake of changing. I've become an alternative musician now. <laughs> Go around with your guitar and your tackies. Tired of being an executive. <laughs> Have you evolved? No, you've bailed out. <laughs> you see? Don't allow society to put you in a box. Don't put yourself in a box. Oh, I'm just called to be a teacher. There was one man. I mean, he was fairly simple. He lived in Messina, which maybe explains a lot. But he was part of the church. And we were locking up the church to move out. We were doing the music ministry there. And he was there and he showed me the keys. He said, my call is to lock up the church. <laughs> now that's how he saw himself. As this is my calling in God to lock the church. Now is he having somebody to lock the church unimportant? In this day and age it's critically important. Dear God. But if he's got the mentality that's what I'm called forever and a day. Wouldn't you say he somewhat missed the boat? Can you see? Now that's a classic example. Dramatic example. But many of us are in a box. Oh, I'm this. You can't. Let the devil fool you. All right? In all of those areas, things change. That's my point. You've got to be aware of them. You might feel, I'm stuck in this box, but I've got an ability to teach. Let me develop that and move into it as well. God wants me to start a church. Let me start operating and learning how to apostolically start something. You understand? Don't get stuck in, man, this is my career and that's it forever and a day. Come to the end and haven't evolved, you haven't developed, haven't grown. We were shocked, Janet and I. We went to see friends. They invited us from the church that we were. These people came back from overseas and they got us all together. We met all these people that we had known years ago in the church we belonged to. And both of us came away with this conclusion. None of them have changed. They're exactly the same as they were. And I thought that was quite frightening. I thought that was quite frightening. You and I can't afford just to be stuck in a rut. Amen? And this is the way out. Don't think you're going to change overnight. Change the different parts of the combination. Right? And as they all line up, what happens? Life opens up for us. Amen? As we've understand it. I think I've talked for too long, so let's just pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Help us, Holy Spirit, to grasp these deep things. Help us more than just to grasp them, but to allow them, Lord, to be part of us and to, as we contemplate them, help us to move into them, Lord, in all the ways that you want us to. We thank you that you've called us to life. We are living stones. We are not just bricks that stay the same. As important as bricks are, we are bricks, but living bricks. There's a big difference. And we thank you for that. In your mighty name. Amen. Praise God. Thank you.